It's about putting our focus where it needs to be and becoming who he has created us to be and who he wants us to be instead of what society leads us into being. And, and while we're going to talk about social media and maybe even the, some pitfalls of it and things like that, I also want to point you to the fact that we use social media a lot. Uh, we have Facebook. We have Twitter, we have Instagram and all those things, and we use those, and email, and we use those forms of social media to communicate our message and events and all, all kind of things like that. There will be uh, tweeting going on while I'm talking today, so um, that's a good thing. That's a good low frequency hum we got going on. That's awesome. But we're glad you're here, and I'm excited about this series uh, be, because it really... It really gets in where we live and, and really highlights some things we struggle with. There's our accounts. If you want to uh, write those down, uh, take pictures, search us, whatever you want to do, and you'll find out what's going on, when it's going on. I do want to say a huge thank you to everybody who came out yesterday and celebrated my boy turning 18 and graduating high school. Uh, big moments there. So thank you uh, to everyone who made it. If you didn't make it, I'm sorry because you missed a great party. It was lots of fun. The weather's perfect. So... Welcome. We want you to, to experience something today that's going to help you. Uh, today, uh, last week, we talked about being content and finding contentment in, in who God created you to be and finding contentment in what you have and where you are and all those things and not always looking over your neighbor's fence, right? Not always looking over the neighbor's fence to find out what they have and what's the latest, greatest, and what I want and who's got something better than me. Find a place of contentment in Christ and, and living and growing there. And today we're going to move a step further and go from contentment, and we're going to talk about relationships. And relationships are one of the most important things that you will ever do in your life. That's true. It's, it's all about your relationships with people, how you interact and how that impacts your relationship with God. Because if you don't know, your relationship with people and how you interact with others directly affects your relationship with God. So we're going to go there. We're going to talk about it. It may get in your business. It got in my business. It's already been there. And I've already been living this and, and dealing with this. So it, it, it really is where I, it's where I like to be. It's where the rubber meets the road. So uh, that's where we're going. Social media is a great thing. It is. It's fun. It's, it's neat. I, I recently connected with a guy that I was in the Marine Corps with in California, and I hadn't seen him or talked to him in 25 years. And his, uh, his name popped up. I'm like, I know that dude. So we reconnected, and he's married, got a kid. He went to officer school. All this cool stuff happened in his life that I never would have known if there hadn't been social media because he lives in Texas and I live here, and we would not have communicated. So I'm grateful for social media, but there is a downside of social media as well, and we're going to talk about that. So it can, damage, it can help relationships or it can damage them, and it can also rob us of intimacy that God intends us to share with others. In John chapter 13, Jesus had just washed his disciples' feet. I'm, I'm sure a, a humbling experience to have your feet washed by Jesus. And he had just done this, and he said in verse 34 and 35, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. He said it again. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Sounds very simple. Love each other. And then he says, as I have loved you. Well, that's impossible. You know, how, how many of us know that this just is not a possibility without Jesus Christ? Can I, can I be really honest with you right now? Too bad, I'm going to anyway. If it weren't for Jesus, I wouldn't like a lot of people. That's just, that's just the truth. Some people are hard to like. I might be hard to like. You may have a hard time with me. I don't know. If you do, sorry. Ask Jesus for help. But if it weren't for Jesus, I wouldn't like a lot of people. He's telling me to love people like he loves me. Well, he died for me. That's how much he loves me. So if he's telling me to love people like that, that I would actually give myself for somebody else, that's a tall order, and there is no way I can do that without his help. I love what he, what he said, but I also love what he didn't say. He did say love. 
he did say that this is how people that you're gonna that this is how people will know that you're my disciples is how you show your love for somebody else. He didn't say, he didn't as in did not say that people will know you if you have a fish on your bumper. I'm not gonna ask who has a fish on your bumper, because I'm sure somebody does. But that is not how somebody knows that you love Jesus. And that is not somebody, how somebody knows that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ is by the little fish on your bumper that, that, that everybody has, that, that you know, not everybody, that a lot of people have on their cars. Nothing wrong with a fish, but that does not get, that's not your identity. That's not how people know that you are a follower of Jesus. He didn't say that. He didn't say that, that people are going to know that you're a follower of me if, if you have perfect church attendance. Now, it's, it's good to come to church. You need to come to church. But just because you come here and sit in the building doesn't mean that you're a disciple of Jesus. He did not say that people will know that you're my disciple if you have it all together. That your eyes are dotted, your T's are crossed, your kids are well, are well, you know, they're clean, their hair is done, their clothes are pressed, they're not active, they're not crazy. We spent this last week, I say we loosely. I spent some time doing it. Tawana and Laura spent a lot of time going through pictures. And my kids were born in 99 and 02. So that was just about the time of the switch from 35 millimeter, put the, put the film in the camera, to digital pictures. And when it went digital, man, we took a bunch of pictures. And as I'm looking back through these pictures, I'm seeing, you know, I, I have specific memories of my kids about how well-behaved they were and about how neat they were and all this stuff. And I'm looking, she's not in here, but I'm looking at pictures and my daughter's hair is always messed up. <laughs> Taylor's hair is always messed up and it typically got, she typically had food on her face. <laughs> so if somebody had looked at my family, you know, looking for a sign of uh, are we followers of Jesus by how clean my daughter was all the time, they probably would have said I wasn't. No, she really was cute and clean, but we, t- we purposely took some pictures of her with food on her face. So it's, it's fun. So it, you don't have to have that, that. Those are not identifiers that you're a follower of Jesus. That's just not how it is. He didn't say any of that, but he did say that love is the defining factor. So the world will know that we're Jesus' disciples by how we love each other. So how are we doing so far today? Have you screamed at anybody? Have you flipped anybody off, blown the horn at somebody, any of that crazy stuff that, that people do? So how does that measure on, sorry, it's real. How does that measure on the love spectrum? I told you some people are hard to love. Some people cut you off in traffic. That's a hard person to love. When you're driving just a little bit over the speed limit, just enough to not get caught or get pulled over, and somebody is pulling out of a side street. And man, they just have to floor it and beat you and get in front of you because they're in a huge hurry. And then they proceed to drive below the speed limit. <laughs> My favorite thing to say is, okay, that, I don't care if you, you pull out in front of me, just go ahead of me. Don't act like a maniac and pull out in front of me and then slow down. Because that is infuriating to me and I have trouble and I have to pray. So how are we doing on the low spectrum now? Let, let, let's, just, just, let's just keep it real. The world will know that we're disciples of Jesus by how we love each other, and our love is directly shown through relationships. So we're, we're living for Jesus in a selfie-centered world, and how is technology changing relationship? The first thing we're going to talk about today is how the word friend is evolving. A friend used to be somebody you did life with, right? When, I, when growing up, I had a best friend. Who had a best friend growing up? Some of y'all had no friends. I had a best friend growing up. Every weekend, if I wasn't at his house, he was at my house. We knew everything about each other. We talked, we did that. We just did stuff together all, and he was my friend. And that's just how it is. I've got, you know. That's just how friendship was somebody you did life together. Now a friend is someone who follows you on Facebook that you may or may not have met in person face to face. Let me ask, I was going to ask who has Facebook. Who does not have Facebook? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 
All right. The vast majority of us have Facebook. Twelve. I know two of y'all didn't raise your hand. Don't have any kind of social media. So we have friends. I'm sure I haven't been through my friend list in a long, long time. But I have no idea how many friends I have on Facebook. Don't have a clue. But if I went through that list, I'm sure there would be people on that list that I don't know. That somehow saw me through somebody else or somebody else or third or fourth person down the tree and said, oh, that looks interesting. Click as a friend. So a friend has gone from somebody that you really invested in, that you spend a lot of time with, that you know a lot about, to someone that you may or may not have met face to face. For example, there are over 1.9 billion with a B users on Facebook as of March of this year. 1.9 billion. That's over a quarter of the world on Facebook. Half of everyone that look at Facebook look at it the first time they wake up. When they wake up, they're on Facebook. The average time used per visit is 20 minutes. That's one time. Does anyone... Most people go to Facebook more than once a day. The average visit to Facebook is 20 minutes. There are over 300 million uploads to Facebook per day. The average user has over 300 friends. We like Facebook. It's cool. We use it at the church. It's a good tool. So if we have so many friends, why do the majority of Americans admit they only have two close friends? And 25% of Americans say they have zero close friends friends so we can say we have lots of social interactivity but the word friend is evolving so why is that why why insert that on sunday morning why talk about the word friend i'm glad you asked that question because it's redefining relationships when when a friend goes from somebody that you're invested in that you're involved with, that you know a lot about, that is there for you, that, that you're there for them. When that, when that goes from that person to a person that you may have not ever seen in person, the word is evolving, and that affects our relationships. It's changing the way we view friendship, and we're forgetting how to be friends. It's important for our friendships and our relationships, but it's also more important for our most vital relationship, and that is the one with Jesus Christ. In John 15... This is Jesus. I no longer call you servants. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. He's invested. He's communicating. He has a relationship. He's made known to us everything that he knows. So he's invested in us. He's called us friends. He intends for us to have a relationship with him. But if we're losing the ability to have relationships and experience intimacy, then we're in trouble. Because the the same type of relationship we have with the people around us is the same type of relationship that we'll try to have with Jesus. Does that make sense? We have very casual, friendly relationships with people we call friends. But if we take that relationship right there and we try to superimpose that on a relationship with God, we're not going to get very far. Because our relationship with God has to be something deeper, has to be something more meaningful. It has to be more serious. And if we're just using the friend term loosely like we do on Facebook, we're not going to get very far. Jesus called us friends. He intends for us to have a relationship with him. But if we're losing the ability to have relationships, we're going to lose our ability to have a relationship with him. The second thing is this. We're becoming addicted. Addicted to immediate Affirmation. And y'all know what I'm talking about. Take a selfie. Not right this second. Phone's whipping out. We have the selfie down. Like, we know the right angle. We know the right... We we have a best side. We have a best angle. We have a a look that we like our pictures to have. Some of y'all laughing because you know... Like you have the look that as soon as the camera comes out, you have that look on your face. You turn your head a certain way. It's your pose. It's a strike a pose, right? So we have that. We have done it so much, we have that image in our head. And if we take a selfie right now and we put it on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, we're going to check back in a few minutes to see who has. Thank you. 
We're going to check in a minute to see who's like I posted last night about our graduation party. I checked an hour later to see who liked it. I'm like, yeah, it was a good day. So, so we do this. We put our selfies, and it's immediate gratification, and it's addictive. It's addictive. And sometimes we simply fall into the trap of replacing one addiction with another. We're addicted to immediate affirmation and gratification we like immediate feedback we like the the instantaneous situation that social media gives us we like people to like us right now like i can't believe they haven't liked my post (laughs) some of y'all had those feelings why why don't they should like my post they haven't liked, why haven't they liked my post? That's a good picture. I even included them. Why haven't they liked it? And we get sideways and spin out because we haven't had the immediate gratification of somebody or the affirmation of somebody saying, oh, yeah, that's a good picture. You're cute. They've only seen 16,000 set of duck lips today. We can only pose so many ways. After that, it just gets old. We can only eat so many meals. After that, when you start posting pictures of the same meal that you cooked, you know that you posted a lot of social media of your food. But we get insulted and irritated sometimes that someone doesn't like a post or a picture. And we might say something negative about it. We're addicted to immediate gratification and affirmation, and we crave it more and more. We're more connected to people but we're more lonely. We're more connected to people. We have a larger network than we've ever had before. But we're also more lonely than we've ever been before. We're striving for likes, but we're longing for love. And that's where the relationship starts to break down. We get in this circle and this, this loop of Posting and looking and posting and looking. We saw the, the video. How, how just ignorant was that? That Not ignorant. How awful and horrible was it that somebody had to get, felt the need to post something that somebody else would like. That it was, of course, staged. But would back up and take a picture, selfie with somebody else, post it like she knew them, and then get excited because she had X number of likes. We're striving for likes but we're longing for love. The third thing is this. We have the power to do friendships on our own terms. If my wife texts me, I have the choice to read it. I have the choice to respond to it, to not respond to it, or just to say I'll get to it later. If I'm a smart man, I pick option one every single time. I read it, digest it, and respond every single time if I'm smart. But I said this months ago. Sometimes when I, when I call some people in, in this room, I can tell if it rings through and it goes to voicemail. Or I can tell if you hit the silence button twice. <laughs> and when, it, when you hit the silence button twice, it goes straight to voicemail. And I know you really don't want to talk to me. We have the power to do friendships now, granted, we're more accessible than it's to a ridiculous amount than we've ever been before. It's, it's ridiculous. One of my favorite vacations ever was going on a cruise. I had no email and I had no cell phone. And people just couldn't find me. And it was a glorious thing for a few days. We're so ridiculously connected, but we do have the power to do friendships on our own terms, meaning that I can choose to respond, I can choose not to respond, I can choose to completely ignore you if I want to. Somebody posts a picture of their food, I get to decide if it's like-worthy or not. How's the presentation? Does it, look like, does it look like Pinterest? Pinterest is really ratcheted up parties, I'm telling you. So with just the click of a mouse or a tap on your screen, you can make somebody's day or you can ruin their mood. We have the power to do friendships 
on our own terms. I've listed these three reasons why we're becoming more distant, but now we're going to talk about bringing it back. We're going to talk about we're meant for real relationships. We're not meant for this, this whole screen-to-screen -screen thing. We're meant to interact with people and invest in somebody's life. And this whole struggle thing that we face is, is Romans says that we are not to conform to the pattern of the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we can prove what's the good, the acceptable, and perfect will of God. So we, we need to, to be vigilant. To be vigilant about where we are, about what we're doing, and, and make sure that we're doing things the way that God intended for us to do things. And he meant for us to have real relationships. Our, relation, our interaction with God is built on a what? It's built on a relationship that I communicate with him and he communicates with me. We have two-way conversations. The church was designed around relationships. Jesus was the first network marketer. He found 12 people. He found 12 people, and they found some more people, and they found some more people. And now we're 2,000 years later, and there are millions of people that know Jesus and have known Jesus. Why? Because Jesus found some people. He's walking by. He's like, he peeks up. He's like, come on, I'll make you fishers of men. You can't tell me in a thousand years they knew what that was. There's no way they knew what Jesus was talking about, but he said just enough to get them interested. And what they do? Okay. And they followed him. And he changed their life. And because he changed their life, they changed the world. And everything Jesus did, the foundation of the church and the foundation of our relationship with him is simply Relationships. The one became 12, and the 12 has become millions. That's how the church started. Relationships started the church, and relationships will grow the church. How does real life change happen in the context of small groups? Why are small groups affected? Because you're in a small group of people, and you have relationships with those people, and you're invested in each other's lives, and you do life together. That's how you grow, and that's how the body of Christ grows. If we've redefined the word friend, if we're addicted to instant gratification, if we misuse the power to be friends and to be friends on our own terms, we damage the ability to interact with Christ and fulfill our purpose in the kingdom of God. Because if I can't interact with you, how am I going to interact with God? If I can't have a relationship with somebody that's in front of me, what scripture say? How can you, how can you love me when you can't love the people around you? How can you love God whom you haven't seen when you can't love those around you who you do see? So how can I have a relationship with him if I can't have a relationship with you? And how can you have a relationship with him if you can't have a relationship with the people around you? And if we get so distant and if we get so separated by, by social media and by technology and by the fact that we always have a screen right here in our face. I have one right now. If I have a screen in my face all the time, I am not going to interact with people and I'm not going to fulfill God's will for my life because I'm going to be all about me, instant gratification, seeing who likes my posts. And when Facebook dies, there'll be something else come up. And when that dies, something else will come up. Why? Because everybody's always inventing stuff. And stuff gets old, and stuff is trendy. It will pass away at some point, but there will be something else to take our time and take our attention and kill our relationships. We need relationships, not just friendships that can be undone with a click of a mouse. You need some relationships in your life that can't be undone. You need some relationships in your life that when somebody offends you, you work it out instead of just going your own way. You need somebody in your life that when you're acting like an idiot, they can walk up to you and say, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> really? We're so sensitive. We're so sensitive. I'm going to stop. Because I will go on a tangent. That won't be nice. But we're so sensitive. We want the, we want the correct thing said to us all the time that we've lost the ability to let people speak into our lives. A real friend can speak into your life. A real life, a real friend can tell you when you're going the wrong way. And you won't say, well, I'm, you just get out of my life. 
there are people that would do that. If somebody comes to you, no matter who, if it's your friend and they're invested, now don't go to somebody you haven't made some, some deposits, you know. To make that kind of withdrawal, you got to have some deposits. You can't be overdrawing the account. But if you are invested in somebody's life or somebody's invested in your life and, and you, you're going sideways, you're doing something foolish, and they come and tell you and you get mad to the point where you're going to sever your friendship, you're wrong. You need people. The scripture says iron sharpens iron. Who's ever seen iron be sharpened? There's only a couple ways and it's destructive. It's beating or grinding. That's how iron gets sharp. So your friends literally beating on you, sharpen you. Your friends grinding on you sharpens you and makes you a better person and hones you more into what God wants you to be. And he's put people in your life and he's put people to invest in you and work with you and talk to you to help you become a better person. And this thing right here may not seem deep to some of you and you may feel, you may, why are we talking about social media so much? Because it's wrecking our lives. That's why. Amen. It's a good thing. It's a good tool. It may not be theologically deep enough for you today, but you know what? This is a real issue that we need to talk about. Because we have people that spend hours and hours and hours a day on social media, but don't talk to God for two seconds. We have families that sit around tables and everybody has a device in their hand and there's no interaction at the dinner table. Who's been to a restaurant and saw a family sitting around with a device in every single hand? How many people seen a family with small children walk in a restaurant? I'm about to get some of y'all. And, and, and when they walk in, the kids get put in high chairs and get handed a tablet. That's wrong. A tablet is not a babysitter. <laughs> Some of y'all don't like me anymore. A tablet is not a substitute for mom and dad talking to them and teaching them how to sit at a table and use a fork and be nice and not throw food. Struggles. Don't be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove what's the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. How we love one another, how we interact with one another, how we have... See, now we're getting somewhere. Some of y'all are just checked out because we're talking about Facebook. But how we interact with each other, how we love on each other, that's how people know. I don't, I don't care what you profess. I don't care how often you go to church. I don't care how much money you give. If you don't love people... People won't know who you are. Struggles. Not conforming to the world, but stepping out and being separate from them. It means more than you think it does. It means more than you think it does. So how are we going to move from this selfie-centered living to following Jesus and centering our life on Jesus Christ? Let's, let's start by, by Hebrews 10, 24, and 5. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and, in, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is, this is, our, this is our church go-to verse. You've got to be in church. Don't give up meeting together. Go to church. Yes, true. Amen. Yes. But, but let's see how we can encourage one another to do better and better. That's iron sharpening iron. That's, that's helping. That's being accountable. That's being involved and invested in someone's life. And then let's get together. Let's have church, but let's do life together. I stink at this. I do, because if you really want to know the truth about me, I could be on an island with my family and be fine. That's just who I am. That's just my guy. I don't know. I love my family, and and we're we're pretty cool together. And and that's just how it could be. I, I have to get outside of my comfort zone to do life with anybody else, but outside of my family, I'm incredibly shy by nature. Like painfully shy by nature. I hate meeting new people. God's really got a sense of humor. <laughs> For real. I was sick every speech. 
my daughter had speech this year, ninth grade, and, and she had just fits. Like she'd run out, you wouldn't know it, but she would run out of the room crying at speech when it came time for her to give a speech. And I didn't get on her too hard because I knew, because I didn't go to school when it was speech day. I did not go to school. It wasn't I didn't leave the room. I didn't cut class. I didn't go to school. Let's have church. Let's be together. Let's do life together. Scripture says we're two or three, what? Gather. That means we're together. That means we're not FaceTiming in. We're not Skyping in. We're not conference calling in. We're two or three gather. Now, I'm not saying we can't do that. But as a norm, we're two or three gather together in my name. There I will be in with them. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He is God with us, relational. He's present. Jesus didn't write on a bunch of scrolls and send them out by courier. Bless all the peacemakers. Honor your father and mother. These guys over here, he didn't publish in the Gazette that, that the Pharisees were white as sepulchers. He told them face to face. Don't hide behind your keyboard. I told you. <laughs> Jesus took his message to the street. Everything he did was relational. Everything he did was about connecting with somebody one-on-one, building a relationship with them, and touching their life and impacting them. And that's who we have to be. Yes, we will use every form of social media we can use because Scripture says to go to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. So I, I told you weeks ago, I heard a preacher say, we'll do everything short of a crime of sin to get you to come to church. But once you get here, we've got to build relationships. And to get other people here, you've got to build relationships. And we've got to be involved in people's lives. And this whole selfie-centered world that we live in struggles to do that because now every, there's always a screen in our face. So Jesus didn't write on scrolls and send them out by courier. He went out. He was relational. He was follow the leader. God created us to love him and to love each other. There's power. Everybody say power. power. There's power in presence. Yeah. There's power in presence. If, if you can physically be there for somebody, be there. I'm going to leave you with two things. The first one is, it's very practical. Be present. I would love if, if we could agree to do something today, and that's to, to love people face to face and not just thumb to thumb. Does that make sense? Getting a text that says, I love you. My wife sends me sweet texts all the time. I love them with the hearts and stuff. It's awesome. For real, I love it. But it's, it, you can't replace somebody looking you in eyeball to eyeball and telling you that they love you and you can feel it. Amen. You cannot replace that. You can tell somebody you love them on Facebook and you do and you mean it. But if you're in the flesh giving them a bear hug, they feel it. They feel it. It means more. If you hand them a coffee and say, I love you, that's more awesome than a text. I like texts, but I like coffee and hugs too. Be present and be there. If you hear about somebody receiving some negative news... Instead of texting, why don't you just get in your car and drive over and say, hey, what's up? Give them a hug. Texts are good. They mean a lot. But hugs are awesome. Hugs are awesome. You might not be a hugger. Sorry. Hugs can change your life. They can change your life. It's not the fact that... It is the fact that you care, but your presence can change somebody's life. A few, a few years ago, I had a friend of mine that received some personally devastating news. He wasn't sick. It's just things that were going a certain direction completely, not by any of his doing or choices, were completely derailed for him. And these were big life things. He was devastated. We had a conversation on the phone. I could just hear the pain and the anguish and the agony in his voice. I'm like, dude, I'm coming over. 
So I went over and, and literally sat on his couch for about six hours. Literally just sat there. And he puked up his pain and just talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. And we talked. I couldn't fix it. I couldn't make it better. I had no solution for him. But I sat there and I listened to him puke. Not physically, but verbally. And since that day, do we talk every day? Not even close. Once a week, maybe. Once every three, four weeks. But there's a bond there that wasn't there before. And he knows that if he needs something, he can call me. And I know if I need something, I can call him. There's something that was put there because I went and just sat on his couch and listened to him cry, literally cry, about stuff that happened in his life. I could have sent him an email, man, I'm praying for you. I got you. If you need something, call me. He never would have called me because we don't call, do we? I don't know how many times people are sitting in this room Something happens to you, and I'm like, if you need something, call me. You don't call. You never call because we're self-sufficient, because we're in a self-centered world, because we have to take care of it, because we can't let anybody see our pain. We can't let anybody see any weakness. God forbid. So we're programmed this way. How about we detox and unprogram ourselves to where we rely on each other, to where we interact and we, have, and we build real relationships, and we actually let somebody help us do life. And we go through it together. Instead of being this selfie-centered world, that we actually become the church that Jesus intended for us to be. And we start investing ourselves in each other. It can be messy, but it's worth it. Be present. Be a friend. And the last thing is this, is be engaged. Be engaged. It is so easy to check out. And I will tell you from personal experience... This is tough for me because we're driving down the road yesterday and my dad says, where's your mind? I'm like, it's all over the place. I'm, I was just honest. He's like, how fast is your mind working? I'm like a thousand miles an hour. Kid graduated. He's got college orientation next week. We're throwing a graduation party. It's his birthday. There's a lot going on. And I'm trying to put out fires and get stuff done. And I was just all over the place so much that driving down the road I wasn't present in that moment when we first got married I was this this quiet shy introverted person and we'd be driving down the road and Tawana would be like what you thinking what you thinking about how many years you do that two three years a lot she had to do that just pulling out getting me to talk getting me to communicate because I was just quiet There's a lot going on up here, but not much coming out here. And she pulled and pulled and pulled and pulled. A while back, we're going down the road. She's like, remember when I used to have to ask you what you're thinking? I said, yep. She's like, don't have to anymore. (laughs) See, it worked. There's hope for us all. Man, we can be trained. It's about relationships. It's about investing. It's about being engaged right where you are, right when you are. And sometimes we have so much going on and so many distractions that are vying for our attention. This thing right here. There's a star from the party yesterday. I didn't see. But um, these things dominate our world. I'm going to talk about it again in a minute. But they just they dominate. Don't just be physically present. Be completely engaged and present. This little thing right here was, would once have been a supercomputer that would have filled this room. That's the computing power we have in our hands at all times. And it can be tough to, to detach ourselves from this and be engaged. I referenced a few minutes ago, we've, we've seen a family come in a restaurant with four or five of them and everybody be on a device and everybody be there but not be present. That's tough. Be engaged. Moms and dads, how many times after hearing our name called 10, 15 times, we just check out and we don't hear it anymore? Right? I got some head nodding going on right now. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Mom, 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 mom. Dad, 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 dad. Who's ever said I'm going to change my name? I love honesty. It's awesome. 
So we hear our name called over and over and over and over, and, and after a while, we just block it out, and, and we don't hear it. Our child has said our name 20 times, and we're, we're looking at the next best idea on Pinterest or we're playing a game on our phone. What if we were having a conversation, and you're pouring your heart out to me, and I'm like, hold on a minute. And I get my James Patterson book out, and I proceed to read about three pages. I close the book, put it back in my bag. And say, okay, what were you saying? Isn't that absurd? How about if we're talking and I do this? How's that different? It's not different, is it? When, when you're talking to me, I have a short attention span. So I'm a mess. I am, a, I am just a hot mess. I have a very short attention span. So, so... I'm not going to give you my tells. I have some. But there's a point where I'm, I'm not as engaged as I was before. So if, you know, if, if you're talking to me and I grab my phone or, or, or you know, do certain other things I'm not going to tell you, then I'm checking out. And I'm not engaged. I'm not present in our conversation at that point. Sometimes it's tough for us to be that way, but we have to harness our mind. Doesn't scripture say that we have the power to bring into captivity every thought? Doesn't scripture say that? So if scripture tells me that I can bring into captivity, that means I control every thought that I have, then I have the power to be whatever I want to be. I have the power to engage whenever I want to engage, and I have the power to pay attention if I really want to. So how rude would that be if I, if I just started going, you know, you're talking... I'm really struggling with this thing at work, and people are being mean to me. I don't like my boss. I'm not making enough money. And I'm just like, Megan reacted to a post I was tagged in. It's awesome. That's cool. It happens through devices. Every time this thing chirps, buzzes, rings, vibrates, twitches, Dances across the table, whatever it does. Every time it does those things, our concentration is broken. And we suffer from FOMO. FOMO, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. The fear of missing out. Missing out on the next set, next set of duck lips. Missing out on the next selfie. Missing out on the next picture of somebody's food. Missing out on the fact that that uh, Kanye said something stupid or, or, or J-Lo did this or, or a Kardashian went nuts <laughs> or LeBron did something in the, in the finals or Steph had 150 points, something like that. We miss out on those things. But many, many times we, we trade the, the Kardashian headline or the Steph headline or the LeBron headline or a crazy tweet by our president, something crazy like that. We, 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 we get those things, but we miss out on something our kids are doing. Or miss out on something our wife or our husband are doing. And, and we're, we're, we're making the, the wrong choice. But i got to see the picture of that cat. Or that dog doing tricks. Or whatever it is that we watch. We have to see those things. Most of us can't sit through a church service without being on our phone. See? If this mic didn't cost so much, I'd drop it. Thank you, Jesus. I love when he proves my point. Heaven just called somebody. Heaven just called somebody and proved my point. I know who you are, so don't tell me. It don't matter. Be engaged <laughs> and be present. Invest your time and attention into those people that you love, and that should be everybody. At the end of your life, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter how many likes you had on Facebook. It's not going to matter how many favorites you got on your tweets or how many how many times you were retweeted or whatever. I don't even know what Snapchat does, but it, it, none of that stuff's going to matter. I'm getting old, y'all. 
None of that stuff's going to matter. What's going to be significant are the people sitting around you. That's when, when you are in a tough spot, when you're at the end of your life or, or something happens when you're in your 40s, it doesn't matter how many likes you got on Facebook. It doesn't matter what social media says about you. It matters who is sitting in the room with you and who, who you can lean on and who is helping you through whatever you're facing right then because Facebook doesn't care about you. Amen. Parents, your kids are begging for your attention. You better give it to them because if you don't, somebody else will. That's just how it is. Fear of missing something. Fear of missing out. It shouldn't be about likes. You should be worried about what you're missing with your kids and your spouse. What are they doing? What are you missing? Put it down. Put it down. Have some no phone or no device zones. Have some protected areas for your family. Be engaged. It's going to be painful for a minute because we're so reliant upon it, and we all do it. And you may have to be a, a bad parent for a minute, but you're actually being a good parent. That's just how it is. Be engaged. Don't just declare it, show it. First John three eighteen. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Don't just tell me you love me, show me. Don't just tell me you love me. you got to show me. Don't just pray for me. Pray with me. Does that make sense? Don't just pray for me. Don't just pray over me. Pray with me. Find out what I'm praying about and pray with me. Don't pray general prayers. Pray specific prayers so we can get something done. <clears throat> be engaged. Just simply be engaged. I refuse. The more, the more I have these things, you know, the first one we had was in a bag. This big. And, and the more I, I have these things, the more I really don't like them. So I'm going to make this declaration, and I, I really wish some of you would make it with me. <clears throat> I refuse to be a slave to a screen. I refuse to be a slave to a screen. When, man, a, a year ago, driving down the road, I would text... I would send I would have one hand on the wheel, the other hand typing out letters, sending emails. Yeah. I would look through Facebook, driving down the road. Not anymore. If I want to text somebody, I'm gonna pull over. I still, for all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, I'll still have a, a relapse every now and then. But I try not to, if, if, my, if my Bluetooth's not picking up, I don't want to talk. If you send me a text and it takes a minute, I was driving or something else important going on. Why? Because I refuse to be a slave to a screen. I, I told Tawana yesterday, when I was 18, left for the Marine Corps, went to California. And my parents were, uh, at the time, in Indiana. And we didn't have cell phones. It was, this was 1990, y'all. Some of y'all weren't born. And when I got finished there, had a car, still in Indiana, I was in California. At 19 years old, I drove from 29 Palms, California, to Indiana by myself. No cell phones, no co-driver, nobody in the car but me and a bunch of music I probably shouldn't have been listening to. I did buy a CB so I could hear the truckers. Took about three days. No cell phones. I told Tawana yesterday, I said, I can't even imagine what my parents are going through. No connectivity for three days while I'm driving across the country by myself. Any number of things could have happened. I could have gotten any kind of trouble. And now it's like if, it's, if a kid's going 10 minutes, call me when you get there. Text me. Send me a text. And let me know you're there. It's a different world. But we've gotten so reliant on these things that we've become slaves to the phones and slaves to our tablets and computers. And we've gotten this, this whole selfie thing going on. And I believe that God is calling us to be different. I'm not telling you to get rid of your phones. You had better not. I, I don't have a house phone anymore. We have cell phones. Four of them. 
But I believe God is calling us not to just do this and say, oh, that's a cute picture. This is neat. I'm going to prove my point. Friend in North Carolina taking a video of his son mowing grass. Excited he has a teenager. He doesn't have to mow grass anymore. That is like-worthy. Amen. But this is what we do. Oh, they're cutting grass on Sunday morning. Why aren't they in church? Uh Uh-huh. So instead of looking at what everybody else is doing, instead of looking at everything else going on around us, how about we take some time and put these things down and and turn these things off and, and make the screens go black and invest ourselves in somebody else so we can understand how to invest ourselves in our relationship with God. And when we begin to do that, we'll, we'll, as we invest ourselves in our relationship with God, kingdom stuff comes more into focus. And then we, we get transformed because our mind is different and we're living different and we're not conformed. We're not just like everybody else. Man, you go to a bank or a stadium and everybody's just staring like this, looking down at screens. And instead of doing that, Let's have some real conversations. Let's talk about stuff. Let's invest ourselves in each other. And let's build some relationships. Yeah, I'll be on Facebook. I'll post on Facebook. I will, I promise you. You'll see me on there. But it's not going to dominate my life. It's just not going to do it. Why? Because I've made a decision. That my, my family's more important. That... Other stuff around me is more important. I want to sit on my deck and read a book. It'll be on the screen. Because I don't really buy books anymore. Just download them. Instead of looking at what everybody else is doing, I want to do what I want to do. But I want to invest in somebody. And I want somebody to invest in somebody else. And I want God's kingdom to grow. Because we're actually developing relationships like he intended us to do.